The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Merry Christmas again. It's been a great day already, hasn't it? Turn to Colossians, if you would, chapter 1, and we're not going to be here a long time, but we're going to, uh, we're going to look at what I'm going to call the real Christmas story, uh, the manger to the cross, the real Christmas story. And uh, over in Colossians chapter 1, talking about Jesus, Paul writes this. This is Colossians 1, starting in verse 15. He, Christ Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things were created by him and for him. Verse 17. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That is a great passage of scripture right there. If you're falling apart, go to verse 17 of Colossians chapter 1, and look who holds all things together, even in our world today. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, which is the church. He is beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross." Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. That's another great scripture. It's saying through the blood of Christ, uh, we are presented before God as holy in his sight. If you're a born-again Christian, you're holy in the sight of God. Isn't that great? Man, that's something to get excited about. And uh, the other thing is I, I got off and lost my place. What verse are we in? Uh, 23. Okay, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope, but held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This morning, as we kind of uh, think about the real story of Christmas, I want to kind of look at the introduction of God, of Jesus Christ, the Son of the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now, just to start off with, the word firstborn doesn't mean that he was created, uh, and, and as some cults say, that he was just born a, a man, that he was just, uh, he was like any of us here today. Uh, that's not what uh, Paul is saying, that's not what that means. That's, uh, that's an objective, it's not a noun when we read that. So it describes the order of inheritance. When he says firstborn, he's talking about the order of inheritance. During this time of the Jewish culture, the firstborn son received a double helping or a double portion of the inheritance. So Paul is describing Jesus Christ uh, as the firstborn, and, and the Jews would have understood what he's saying with that, he, he, and he's going to receive a double portion of the, of the state. It was created and made by Jesus. It was made by the Word of God, and Jesus is going to inherit all of creation. Uh, 
So when we look towards the end, we realize that Jesus is going to inherit this and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. He was created. (coughs) He would die. And the reason he died on the cross was to redeem. And it says, making peace. We were enemies with God, but Jesus Christ died on the cross to make peace through his shed blood on the Christ. The, The real Christmas story, I think it's kind of captured in a... In a truth by this by this uh, poet, he he it's it's anonymous, but he wrote this: a baby born in Bethlehem, his hands soft and gently curled, but held within their dimpled grasp the hope of the entire world, and and that is the real Christmas story. It's a story of hope. It's a story of of peace. It's a story of joy. But most of all, it's a story of love. And as we look at this, the creator of all things, visible and invisible in heaven and earth, the one who has authority over everything, every situation, every throne, every power, every ruler, God has control over those. Man, you look, at, you look at where our nation is today, and sometimes we wonder, is God still in control? If you wonder that, go back to Kings. And look what the children of Israel wanted. And God said, you want a king? I'll give you a king. And in each of those kings, Israel was torn down. But God said, okay, I'm still in control. And Israel would cry out and they would pray to the Lord and He'd forgive them and He'd move them back to a place where they were prominent and they would fail Him and and another king would come. And, And we need to realize God is in control today. And, and we go on and look at the real story of Christmas is the Word of God became Emmanuel, God with us. And He done those things that He could redeem us, that He could put His feet in our shoes. You know, it says over in the... I don't have the Scripture up for the screen, but it says over in the New Testament that, that we have a, a God that can sympathize with us because He's been in every situation we may find ourselves in. That's why the, the real story of Christmas is about God with us. He came that he, could, that he could walk in our shoes, that He could give us an example, that He could show us the way to the cross. And that's the real story of Christmas. He is firstborn from the dead so that in everything He might have supremacy. That's really the story of Christmas. You know, he, uh, Christ, Christ isn't the, 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 the celebrated... Uh, one of the day just because he was a baby born. He's not uh, uh, crazy about hectic shopping trips and all of the the gift giving. He gave us a great gift. But the real story of Christmas is God's plan to save us. And it started in the manger. It, It started there that he might redeem us and that he might restore us to that right relationship with God. Now, he's not against those things, but but that's not the real story of Christmas. The real story of Christmas is really God's plan to save us. And, and that's what the angel meant in Luke chapter 2 when he told the shepherds, Do not be afraid because I bring you good news. It will cause great joy for all the people. What caused it? The birth of the Savior. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you and He is the Messiah. He is Christ the Lord. So this morning I want us to think about the real story of Christmas and here's the first thing I want you to remember when you leave here. We're looking at a new year. I was thinking just the other day and uh, Debbie and I talked a lot back in, you remember 1999 and 2000 was coming and boy what was going to happen, the world's computers were all going to shut down and all of these things were going to happen. Boy that's been 16 years ago. Huh? Y2K. 
Some of y'all weren't even born, I guess, when all that was happening, you know. And some of you were just kids, but, but we was looking in a new year. There was so much uncertainty. You know the truth of the matter? We're no different today, are we? We're looking in a new year. There's all kinds of uncertainties ahead of us. We're not sure where we're going to be, what's going to happen. You hear it on the news, and of course they like to dwell on all the negative things. But, but here's something we can hold on to looking to a new year. It begins at the story of Christmas, and it continues today. Hold on, because God's got a plan. Amen? Wherever you are, when I, when I was in high school, there was, you, T-shirts came out with, with uh, all kinds of things on them. And y'all remember, uh, I think it was a cat, and he was, he was hanging on to a branch, and, and it said, hold on. Don't let go. And, and underneath there was nothing there to carry. Well, that's for us, but we, we need to understand we're not just holding on with some hope that's not seen. We, we have a hope, and, and God has a plan. We talked a little bit about this last night at our candlelight service. Can you imagine being a, a 16-year-old girl, a 17-year-old girl? Uh, she's pregnant. She's a Jewish girl. She's, she's not yet married. She's engaged to be married to a carpenter, and then she's informed of this. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid. You're going to have a child, a baby boy, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High, and God will give him the throne of David, and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. But there's a problem, and Mary knows it. And she knows it because in her first question, she says, how can this be? I'm a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One will be born and you shall call or he shall be called the Son of God. Now, I want you to think about this. You ladies can probably do a better job than us guys. But but think about this girl and think about what she's just heard. Try to put yourself in that situation. Just think about that. Now listen to her response. I am your servant. May it be to me as the Lord has said. Isn't that a great response? You know what Mary realized? God has a plan. I'm not sure where it's all going to go, but, but God has a plan. Through faith, Mary understood that, that God has a plan. Initially, she was, she was rejected by her fiancé. She would have been an outcast. She's nearly divorced before she even gets married. And we could talk about that when you're pledged to marry. That could go up to a year. Uh, it was just kind of like being married, but they were in separate places. So, so she was in, in, in uh, sight of maybe even being divorced. She became an Im- immigrant when she was really in her teens. And when she moves out of her home country... Uh, and then as time went on, she began to understand, and maybe even from the very first, that her firstborn son was going to be executed. Can you imagine that? I mean, this 16, 17-year-old girl understanding that her child would be rejected, that he would be uh, arrested, that he would be beaten, that he'd be tortured, uh, that he'd be displayed on a cross for all the world to see. You know, that's the real story of Christmas. And the thing is, Mary pondered these things in her heart, what the Bible says, because she understood God has a plan. As bad as it sounded, as bad as it was, God had a plan. And his plan went through Mary, but his plan was to save the world. 
So she understood that, and she spoke his name from the foot of the cross, and she was probably maybe just in her 40s even. And, and she stood at the foot of the cross, and, and she said, Yeshua, which means Jesus. And Jesus looked at her, and that word means Savior. And, and she must have thought, how can this be true? And as, as she stood at the foot of the cross, y'all remember John's there? And what does Jesus say? Basically, my translation, Mom, this is John. He's going to take care of you. John, would you take care of my mom? See, all of those things uh, was just to remind us God has a plan. And wherever we're at in our life today, think about what Mary understood and how Mary held out for God's plan and realize, hey, God's got a plan for me. I hope it's not that drastic. But on the other hand, if, you, if God said, hey, I have a way that, that we're going to save all of the world through you, most of us are going to say, hey, I'm on board for that. Because we understand that, that God has a plan. Mary stood there and, uh, and she trusted what God's plan was. Our text says, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out of the gospel, we need to hold on, we need to trust God's plan. The question for us is, will we trust God's supremacy? In this coming year, what I want us to think about, are we really going to trust that God has a plan, even if we're heartbroken, even if something comes along and we're disappointed, even if we're anxious about something, even if we really don't understand, can we move in faith and say, you know what, I'm going to continue in my faith because it's established and it's firm, and I'm not going to move from the hope that's held out in the gospel of Jesus. That's our hope for the day. That's the plan of Christmas, that God has a plan for us and he's moving on. The story is told of a king in Africa who had a close friend whom he grew up with. And this passage of scripture in Romans 8, 28, which is misquoted at a, a lot of times when it shouldn't be quoted, but uh, it says this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. It doesn't say we know all things are good. But it does say, in all things, God works them for good. In the long run, some good comes out of it. If you look at Mary and you look at uh, Christ and, and you look at the, uh, the things that Jesus went through, Mary, Mary couldn't have just said, well, that's great. I'm glad that happened to you, son. I'm glad that, that you rejected, son. I'm glad those things weren't good, but through those things, God worked some good. And this king of Africa, that close friend, he grew up understanding that he says a friend had a habit of looking at every situation that ever occurred in his life positive or negative and making the remark this is good and one day the king and his friend were out on a hunting expedition and the friend would load up and prepare the guns for the king and the friend had apparently done something wrong in preparation or in preparing one of the guns for after taking the gun from his friend the king fired it and the king's thumb was blown off. Examining the situation, the friend remarked, as usual, this is good. And the king replied, no, this is not good. And he proceeded to send his friend to jail. About a year later, the king was hunting in an area that he should have known or should not have been and should have stayed clear of. And cannibals captured him, took him into their village, tied his hands, 
stack some wood up, set up a stake, and bound him to the stake. As they came to set the fire of wood, they noticed that the king was missing a thumb. Being superstitious, they never ate anyone who was less than a whole man. So he's missing a thumb. Uh, So they untied the king, sent him on his way. As he returned home, he was reminded of the event that had taken his thumb off and felt remorse for his treatment of his friend. He immediately went to jail to speak with his friend and said, You were right. This was good that my thumb was blown off. And he proceeded to tell his friend all that had just happened and said, I am very sorry for sending you to jail for so long. It was a bad thing that I'd done. No, his friend replied, this was good. What do you mean this is good? How could it be good that I sent my friend to jail for a year? And the friend's reply was, if I had not been in jail, I would have been with you. Well, think about that. <laughs> so, so really, it, it was good. You see how sometimes we look at a situation and we say, there's no good in this situation. I'm looking for the future. There's, there's no good in the future. But through the, through the long haul and, and on down the road a little, we're able to look back and say, you know what, I understand. And it was good. And it worked out all for the better. In Colossians, again, let's just look at verse 16 and 8 through 18. For in him all things were created, things in heaven, on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones, powers, rulers, or authorities, and all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church, the beginning, the firstborn, the son from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. Jesus is before all things. He has authority over all things, every power. Remind you again, every throne, every ruler. He holds all things together, so hold on. He's got a plan. The last thing, the Christmas story is really a reconciliation of life. it's It's a story of reconciliation. That's what the story of Christmas is. Jesus is the head of the body. He's the head of the church. He's beginning the firstborn from the dead so that everything he might have supremacy. So when we think about that, when Jesus was on the cross and, and he was on the cross and what was his last words he said on the cross? It's finished. I, I've completed the work I came to do. From the manger to the cross, God's plan was moving. And Jesus hung on the cross and he said, you know what? I'm finished. I've completed the work that I came to do. And then he was buried. And three days later, he rose from the dead. He defeated our greatest enemy. You know what our greatest enemy is? It's not Satan. It's death. Our greatest enemy is death. And so when we think about that, what death is that talking about? That that death that we see over in Romans that says we were dead in our transgressions, that means we've been separated from God. That's the death. And, And in Revelation it says, Blessed is the man who has no part in the second death. As Christians, when Jesus Christ defeated death, we don't have to experience death. We go through a physical death here, but you know what? That just leads us to life. That leads us to a life more abundantly than we have today. So when we look at this and we think about what Christ done, He defeated our greatest enemy. 
And it says, once we were alienated from God and we were enemies in our mind because of our evil behavior. But John 3.16 says, but God so loved the world that he gave his one and only, his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We all know that verse. But what comes after? I want you to listen to what comes after. And this is what we're going to close with this morning. Verse 17, for God did not send his son to this world that he might condemn the world, but he sent his son that he might save the world. You know what? People get that so backwards, don't they? They think that that we have a God that's sitting up there just waiting to condemn us and just waiting to to strike us down, but but God didn't send his son to condemn. He, He sent his son to save the world through him. And whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And this is the verdict. Light came into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light. And he'll not come into the light for fear that his deeds might be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. You know what? God has a plan for us from from the cradle to the grave, so to speak. He has a plan for us. His greatest plan when it comes to Christmas was the ideal that he's going to come. He's going to show us the way to heaven. He's going to bring reconciliation between us and God. And he's going to defeat death. And when we celebrate today and we celebrate the birth of our Savior, let's never forget what Christ really came for. And that's that we might have that relationship with God, that we would be holy in the sight of God. Isn't that a great day? Isn't that a great thing? Just today to realize that we stand holy, spotless, blameless in the sight of God through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you again for this day. I thank you for the time of the year that we celebrate your birth. And we remember today, Father, that from that stable, when Mary looked and gave birth to Emmanuel, that you became one of us. That you had a plan that you gave us hope. And Father, today as we remember that day and we celebrate your birth, Father, we know the real story of that day was that Easter day. That day when you defeated our greatest enemy, you defeated death, you defeated sin, you defeated Satan. And then Father, as you defeated death, you were raised again. And Father, you told us that through you and through your blood, you present us to God as holy pleasing, without spot, without blemish. And Father, as we look into a new year and we begin to to work towards whatever lays ahead, I pray that we would walk by our faith in you, using the senses that you gave us, making the right decisions. But Father, we truly would consult you in all that we do. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here today. I thank you for the love that we share together. I thank you for our families and the the, the plan that you had to give us families that we might nurture one another and then beyond 
uh, those families, that you give us a church family that we might find hope and peace and healing. And Lord, I just pray that today would be a great day of celebration, a great day of fun, a great day of, of visiting. And Father, I pray that it would be a great day as we remember what you've done for each of us. And I pray this in the name of Jesus.